So this week's Parsha is uh, <coughs> Parsha's Kisisa, and it's also Parsha's Para. So there is a um, dispute in the Yerushalmi, uh, two different opinions about the correct week to read Parsha's Para. Um, you see sometimes after Purim, before Rosh Chodesh Nisan occurs, there are three Shabbases. So the week right before Rosh Chodesh, Nisan, is always Parshas HaChodesh, where we talk about the upcoming laws of the Karban Pesach. If there are two weeks before that and Purim, so which is the correct week to read Parshas Para? Should Parshas Para be read the week before HaChodesh, or should Parshas Para be read the week after Purim? Now, in a year like the way the calendar fell this year, that's a moot point because there are only two Shabbosos between Purim and Rosh Chodesh. So then obviously Parah will be the same one. The one before Achodesh is the one right after Purim. So it's a moot point. But on, let's say, a year when Purim would fall on a Thursday or a Friday, then Shabbos, there would actually be three Shabbosos. The Shabbos right after Purim, the following week, and then Achodesh. So which one would be the correct week to read Para? Should Para be right after Purim, or should Para be right before Achodesh? So it's actually a dispute, two opinions in the Rishalmi. We paskin that it is the week before Achodesh. And the reason for that is that the rationale for reading Para is about knowing how to become pure. Why do we want to know how to achieve purity? Because since Carbon Pesach is coming up, and one of the laws for Carbon Pesach is that one has to be pure in order to be able to bring the carbon, then uh, we have to know how to become pure. So we reread all about the, the Paraduma, which is what brings us to purity. So given that logic, it would make sense that Para should always be read right before HaChodesh. And it really doesn't have much of a connection to Purim per se, but it's more of a introduction towards uh, the Parsha of HaChodesh and then coming Pesach. And even though that's the way we paskin, there is one opinion in the Rishami that says, in mafsikin bein parolapurim. It is very important that we do not divide, that we do not separate between Purim and para. It's important that we contain, we maintain a connection between those two, and therefore Parsha's para will always be right after Purim. We would then take a week's break from the Dalai Parshios, and only the following week after that would we read HaChodesh. So I wanted to know what is the idea behind that opinion. Why would there be an opinion that says that there's actually any connection between para and Purim at all? What sort of connection can we draw between those two events? So if we take a look just for a second at what Parsha's para is about. Parsha's para is about the paraduma and about achieving purity. But let's think a little bit deeper. Why the paraduma? Why about a cow? So the Medrash tells us, Rashi quotes it in Parshas, <coughs> in Parshas Chukas, that it's actually related to the sin of the golden calf here in Parshas Kisisa. The golden calf was a baby cow, and the people had an error. The people had a sin with a calf. So Chazal say that it's as if we tell now the mother to come clean up for the mess of its child. We shecht a large cow, a mother cow, and we're saying that it's meant to be an antidote, a kapara, a way of achieving purity for the sins and the mistake of the golden calf. Well, that's very nice, and it's symbolic in the sense that the golden calf was a baby and the para aduma is a mother cow, but how do we relate to the connection between para aduma and the sin of avodazar, which was committed here? So the Maharal explains this medrash a little bit deeper 
that the root of the sin regarding um, the Chata uh, Ego was the people's inability to live with the question of time, the inability to live with the question of knowing when will Moshe Rabbeinu come back. They had an expectation in their mind of when Moshe would come, and when their calculations brought them to to something wrong. They had something that they couldn't deal with. They had a problem, a question, a burning sensation. When is this going to be? They didn't know the answer. They couldn't figure it out themselves. They were struggling to come up with a reasonable solution. That's when they fell. It was all when they couldn't come up with an answer to a question that they had posed that they turned to idolatry. So the root of it was that they expected answers. And when the answers weren't there, and especially when it was something that they had been expecting now for the 40 days, they had the math, they had everything lined up. That's when um, they lost some of their faith and they com- um, they committed uh, Avodah Zarah. So based upon that, we can understand why it is the mother cow that is cleaning up for her child in the sense that para aduma is all about chok. Para aduma is all about knowing that not everything is what we have to understand. It's sometimes HaKadosh Baruch who gives us things that they're chukim, they're just meant to be, and we don't have to unnecessarily understand every single thing that God is giving us. And it's obviously the deepest struggle. As human beings, we crave to understand everything. But HaKadosh Baruch who throws us sometimes the paraduma where it defies, it's mysterious by nature, and it's meant to be mysterious, and it forces us to wrestle with things that we cannot fully grasp. So that's what's meant by Chazal. We had a little problem that we couldn't understand and it led us so far away. So Hashem gives us, let me give you a huge problem. You won't be able to understand a mother cow. And if we can't understand that and yet we accept it with love as the will of the Rebono Shalom, then that can be machaper. Then that can atone for the sin of the golden calf. Our ability to live with the question will atone for our inability to live with the question of where Moshe Rabbeinu was. That's what seems to be the basic theme of how Paradu so taking that one step further, let's think about how that relates to Perm. The Gemara in Megillah asks, why is it that the Jews of that generation, the generation of, um, of, of, of Ahasuerus and Haman, why were the Jews of that, and Mordechai, why were the Jews of that generation having this horrible threat of annihilation upon them? What did they do so bad? What were they doing in such, and what Avera had they committed that caused this threat to be placed upon them? So the Gemara tells us, well, basically they went to the party that Ahasuerus made. And why did Ahasuerus make a party? Because he was celebrating the fact that the base of Mikdash was not going to be rebuilt. Why did they think that the base of Mikdash was not going to be rebuilt? Because they made a calculation. Hashem said, after 70 years of exile, I will bring you back to Israel. And they started counting the 70 years. And when they, when they were up and they were not yet redeemed, the people said it must be that God will never redeem the Jews. Ahasuerus makes a feast. He makes a party. He takes out the old Caleb from the base of Mikdash. He celebrates the fact that there will not be another temple. In fact, though, Ahasuerus made an error in when he began to count the 70 years because since the destruction of the first base of Mikdash happened in different stages, so they, he was counting from the earlier stage and he should have started counting from a later stage. And because of that mistake, um, it was just simply a miscalculation. When the Jews went to the party, they were also indicating that they didn't have an answer for how the 70 years could possibly be up and they were not yet redeemed. So they, again, were had an inability to live with 
that question of a mistaken time, an expectation which could not be met. They couldn't know, they didn't know how to deal with it, and they lost some hope in that. They lost some faith. They went to, they threw in the towel. They went to the Seuda of Achashverosh. And at that point, that's when HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought upon them the threat of annihilation. And we see that they were actually able to be machaper on this. We find that um, when in the Gemara in, in Megillah, when Haman goes to find um, Mordechai for his horse ride, it says that he finds him learning some laws of Kemitza with school children. Who, what are the laws of Kemitza? Kemitza is the laws that are little like um, flower offerings that were brought in the... Uh, in the in the Beis Hamikdash, and uh, and 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 it would be I was actually he was talking about them I think specifically to the laws of the Omer, which is actually barley offering, and he said Haman comes and he says, oh you're learning about this. He says to him, your little your little fingers worth of kmitzas worth of flour is going to outweigh all of the gold and silver that I paid the king to destroy you. And the point that the Gemara is trying to make is that once Haman sees that Mordechai is learning with children and he's learning them with them the laws of the base of Mikdash, he's trying to instill a sense of hope, a sense of yearning, a sense that there will be in the future a base of Mikdash. And even though we don't know where it is now, and even though it seems like the year 70 has come and it haven't been, been redeemed, but there still may eventually be a redemption, even though we don't know where it is now. The fact that Mordechai was willing to give that over to the next generation and transmit that message, when Haman saw that, he said, I know I'm not going to be able to get you. In other words, the Jews, our vulnerability is when we have problems, when we have expectations, and we think that we need things to be understood the way our minds want to capture them, that's when we're vulnerable. But when we're strong in the sense that we know it's okay if we don't understand everything and we'll push through nonetheless, that's when we are we actually are at our greatest strength. So Haman saw Mordechai learning Hilchus Kamitza with the school children, and it actually made him... Um, very nervous about whether or not he was going to defeat the Jews. At any rate, if you point that, put that story together with Paraduma, it's amazing how you see it's exactly the same Shayr Shachet by both the Chet Egel and by Purim, the, the, the root of the sin of the Jewish people was that they had a calculation of time, that they were expecting something to change at the end of that time. And when it didn't change, their inability to live with a question, to let it sit and say, I don't understand it, but we're still going to keep our faith. It was exactly at that point that their sins came. And that's exactly why the antidote for both Purim and for, and for Chateigo is so similar. By Purim, the antidote is that we start learning about the base of Mikdash and start yearning again, even though it seems that 70 has come and yet we haven't been redeemed. And by Vachet Egel, the antidote is found in Para Aduma by the sense that we're going to be given a mitzvah that we won't understand, and specifically through our non understanding of it and our acceptance of it, nonetheless, we will be able to grow. I mean, Machaber for Chet Egel. So that can explain the opinion in the Rishalmi in Mafsi can bring Para not to divide, not to interrupt at all between. Parsha's para and Purim because the lessons are there connected. The lessons are there as one that not necessarily just because we understand or do or do not understand everything, but we want to push forward, uh, want to push forward nonetheless. So it's an amazing um, 
obviously in the times that, that we're living through now, more than anything else, it's, it's exactly, exactly this Nisayon. It's the Nisayon of, of wanting, of struggling with expectations of time and calculations and questions, questions that we don't know about with time. You know, how long is this going to go on and where is this going and, and what is the duration of this and what can we rationally expect and what is irrational to expect and you know when when is Moshe coming back and when is the when is the 70 years going to be up and questions of time specifically we get anxious we start wondering we start making all sorts of um uh, hypotheses and reasons for things when time doesn't go our way and resisting against time is always dangerous because as human beings we want our expectations with time to be met we love giving deadlines with ultimatums and clear bonus for when things will happen. And the lesson right here is so strong for us in our place where we are now is that in mafsikin be para la perm that we go from a perm straight into a para and we go straight into a para who says wrestle with this mother cow. This mother cow accept it out of love that you can build together, you can make purity dafka out of our inability to fully understand sometimes. And even when our cheshbon of the 70 years doesn't seem to make sense and our cheshbon of the 40 days where Moshe is just doesn't seem to add up, we still say nonetheless that we're going to push through, we're going to make sense of it, and we're going to persevere, and we'll get to the other sand. Everyone should have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos.